Welcome to round four of the Draft Sharks Invitational. It is Thursday, August 6th. For anyone listening after the fact, I'm your podcast host, Matt Schaff. With me for the fourth straight night are Jared Smola and Adam Krautwurst. We are all off the hot seat tonight, having done our drafts the past three nights. And this draft is running an hour later than the past three, kind of an after hours feel to it. Jared, I see that you actually brought a drink to this one. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost Friday, so yeah, I got I got a beer with me. I got a uh, Captain Lawrence Powder Dreams. It's a it's a New England IPA, which is like my my jam nowadays. Nice, Adam. Does the later hour mean that the language for you is about to go PG thirteen? Yeah, toning it down. I actually have a nice seltzer water over here. So seltzer water. All right, listen, have an early flight tomorrow. If I drink this late, I'll be asleep by round four. So <laughs> getting aged. Uh, this is the fourth of five drafts in the sixty-player DS Invitational. Each league carries a two hundred and fifty-dollar first-place prize. Plus, the overall winner is going to take down another two thousand dollars. All from the pocket of Draft Sharks founder Lenny Papano. He's going to be drafting tonight. I feel like that gives it an element of win Ben Stein's money. <laughs> absolutely he's just, he's just trying not to lose money which might you know might be more motivation than trying to win money exactly he has more motivation maybe than the rest of us here um the format is best ball it's 25 rounds the lineup is one quarterback two running backs three receivers one tight end two flex spots and it is a super flex league so one of those flex spots can be a quarterback every week scoring is ppr but it is tight end premium so one and a half points per reception four tight ends. We are running these drafts on myfantasyleague.com. We will be tracking about the first half of this draft, an hour or so on the stream tonight. We'll see, though, if anybody's uh, choices at running back pushes us a little beyond that one-hour threshold. Actually, I wouldn't mind a little zero RB tonight. It's always <laughs> fun. The quarterbacks are going wild right now. I'm, I'm excited to talk about this one. Yeah. Maybe since we had that, we get some zero wide receiver this time. There you go. Let's take a look at who will be drafting in this league for. Up first is Kimra Schleicher. At Kimra1313 on Twitter, one of the most experienced female high-stakes players in the industry, right, Adam? Yeah, so uh, I think it might be Slicer. I'm not sure, um, but it could be Schleicher. But she's done very well. She's been a high-stakes player for a while. I think her most notable is a uh, 150,000 win in the Fantasy Football World Championship a couple years ago. So she might have won some higher ones. I'm not sure, but I think that's... <laughs> The most notable one. That's quite a bit more than I've won in any contest. That's right. TJ Hernandez is drafting second. He is the director of DFS content at 4for4.com. Also the co-host of the DFS MVP podcast. You can find him on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. Number three is our boss, Lenny Papano, Adam's uncle, the creator of DraftSharks.com, co-founder of the World Championship of Fantasy Football with Emil Cadillac. So that contest pioneered the high-stakes fantasy sports industry, you know, brought this whole new element to fantasy football. At number four is Elliot Christ, the chief operating officer at the new FTN network. You can find Elliot on Twitter at Elliot Christ. Number five is Michael Fabiano. He has been a fantasy analyst since before that was even a real job. Uh, just joined Sports Illustrated as senior fantasy analyst, previously worked at CBS and a little place you might have heard of called the NFL. You know how to find fabs online. Number six is Abib Agbatoba, who you can find on Twitter at Skywalker2000. Not only does he have a large contest win behind him, Adam, the dude's a freaking doctor. I know. It's there's a couple of doctors in this in this one tonight. Uh very intimidating. But yeah, he won half in the last year. He took down the the, the football guys championship over at FFPC. So uh he's he definitely knows what he's doing. Yeah, so he's one of those that if he wins this whole thing, it's like, oh, good, I got another entry fee. That's right. <laughs> Number seven is Danny Kelly of The Ringer. He leads the fantasy football and the NFL draft coverage over there. You can find him on their fantasy football podcast. You can also find him at Danny B. Kelly on Twitter. Number eight, Dr. Brian Harwood, founder of the Southern Bluegrass Fantasy Football Championship. He's a Draft Shark subscriber that I'm familiar with. Um, also a member of our DS Keeper League that we launched in the spring. Brian can be found on Twitter at the SBFFC. That, of course, is the championship that I just mentioned. Number nine is Jeff Stein, who's been around the fantasy industry for a long time. Jeff's currently at MyFantasyLeague.com, the host site for this contest. Also contest director for the fantasy championship. Just a good guy in general, too. I know I've hung out with Jeff at multiple FSTA conferences back when it was actually called the FSTA. Jeff is on Twitter at Jeffrey Stein. That's Jeffrey with a G. 
Number 10 is Ben Gretsch, who had a cup of coffee with us at DraftSharks.com a couple years ago. You can find his stuff now, though, on CBS Sports, both the site and the FF Today podcast. Ben is at Yards Per Gretsch on Twitter. Number 11 is Alex Kaganowski, a co-founder of the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the FFPC. Of course, that's where we draw the tight end premium scoring from for this contest. Alex is on Twitter at Alex underscore FFPC. And then rounding out the draft is number 12 at Ian Allen, founder and publisher at Fantasy Index, a fantasy football Hall of Famer, sorry, a fantasy sports Hall of Famer. Ian has been working with spreadsheets longer than Microsoft and doing the fantasy thing so long that he's not even on Twitter as his own solo entity. You can find him on there at Fantasy Index and all the Fantasy Index people on there. We are already through round one of picks for tonight's draft. So let's start digging into the action here. And as usual, Christian McCaffrey goes first. But guys, our first change came at pick two where TJ Hernandez took Patrick Mahomes. I'm excited about how this draft's going to play. I mean, the first round in general is super interesting. I mean, Mahomes at two, Lamar Jackson at four, nothing crazy there. But then Abib takes Dak Prescott at 106, where you know, he's been going in the back half of the second round in the first three drafts here. Um, and then, you know, just in general, only five running backs come off the board in the first round. We've had, you know, seven or eight of them in the first couple of drafts. So I'm curious to see if three quarterbacks coming off the board in the first six picks pushes up, you know, the rest of them to go higher than we've been seeing. Yeah. It's, that's why I'm, I'm really starting to fall in love with this format to see the different strategies. Yeah. Dak went, you know, with the second to last pick in the second round in my draft, he went, I think to Silva in the end of the first round in one of the drafts before. So to see him, you know, he's going at six here. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the um, the different roster constructions. And then you got, you know, Delvin Cook falling to, to 10. And I think, Matt, you took him yesterday at five or something like that, five or six. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I guarantee Ben Gretsch did not come into this draft expecting to have a shot at a top five running back at the 11th pick of round one. But that's where he got. He got the fifth running back off the board at that spot. And as you guys mentioned, Dak Prescott pushed up a little earlier. Was that the end of round one in that Evan Silva draft? I think that was draft one. I got him late in round two yesterday. And we only had three quarterbacks through the first two rounds of yesterday's draft. We'll see. Maybe there aren't going to be any more quarterbacks in round two of this one as we keep the picks going. But certainly earlier than than we have seen so far. And as you said, Adam, that's one of the, the cool things about this format is there are so many different approaches. We also had the tight ends um, move a little bit from where they've gone before. Travis Kelsey has been in the middle of round one. He fell down to 11 with those quarterbacks being pushed up. I, I wonder if you know some of those late drafters were suddenly facing a decision between two guys they didn't expect to be choosing from, You know, starting even with Danny Kelly at number seven, who had Alvin Kamara there, not usually in your your options there. So Travis Kelsey pushed to 11. George Kittle came off the board at number 12 to Ian Allen's team. Yeah, Kelsey went seven, nine, and seven in the first three drafts. So I think, you know, Alex was probably surprised to see him still hanging around at 11. And then George Kittle, we've seen, you know, creeping towards the first round. He's been going, you know, either there in the back or in the front half of the second round in these drafts. Yeah, is the you know the guy who kind of pioneered, like you said, the tight end premium. He's probably loving to see Kelsey at eleven. <laughs> yeah, Ian Allen's somebody that I've drafted against a lot, so I know that he knows the numbers. I am not surprised that he's finally the person who pushes George Kittle into round one, which is I think this is where he belongs, where he should be at ADP for FFPC style drafts, even Superflex, and especially for here where we're playing best ball. Clyde Edwards Elaire kicked off round two. He went to Ian Allen's squad around the turn. The sixth running back off the board, which is right about where he went uh, last night. I think it was round. It was the first draft, right, where we saw Edward Zelaya slide into round two? Yeah, RB9 in the first draft. He's now been RB6 in drafts two, three, and four. I think that's where we should expect to see him going forward. If you want him, you're going to have to plan to take him in the first round of most drafts. Like we've said, running back six is not usually going to be a second-round pick in most places, even in this format. Uh, Miles Sanders made it to round two again. He was the next guy off the board to Alex's team. Travis Kelsey, Miles Sanders, his start. Ben Gretsch grabbed Tyreek Hill with the third pick of round two to give him a running back wide receiver start. Jeff Stein's got Devontae Adams and Derrick Henry so far through his two turns. Uh, Brian Harwood has Michael Thomas and Joe Mixon. Danny Kelly was the first one to actually take a second running back 
with the sixth pick of round two. He's now got Alvin Kamara and Austin Eckler rostered. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, the running backs with the you know the tight ends kind of creeping up into the first round there, and the quarterbacks going like Lenny getting Kenyon Drake like at the end of the second round is insane. We were actually doing a, a slow main event draft together, and we took Kenyon Drake in the first, so he's probably giddy uh, that he got Barkley and Kenyon Drake to start his draft. That's probably the best. That's the best one-two running back punch I've seen yet in this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. This is the second night in a row, too. We've seen Austin Eckler go a bit earlier than usual. Um, Sean Corner took him at running back seven last night and running back 10 here. You know, that's, you know, closer to ADP, but it's still a few spots ahead. So Danny Kelly, obviously higher on Eckler than, than ADP. Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler there. Abib took his second quarterback with his second selection, Deshaun Watson as QB4 at pick number 207. So, That's the second time through four drafts that we've actually seen a team start with the double quarterback. We mentioned before Evan Silver at the end of round one and draft one doubled up on quarterbacks. Yeah, same two quarterbacks for Evan, you know, one twelve and or two one. And I believe this is only this is the only other time Deshaun Watson has been in round two, isn't it? He went in the third round last night, and he went in the he went at two twelve in in draft two. Okay, Um, and then he went he went yeah he went at two two oh one in draft one. Kyler Murray came off the board next as the fifth QB, the eighth pick of round two to Michael Fabiano's team. So he has started with Zeke Elliott and Kyler Murray. Julio Jones was the fourth wide receiver off the board with the ninth pick of the of the second round going to Elliott Chris. So he's got Lamar Jackson, Julio Jones. You guys mentioned Lenny getting Kenyon Drake to pair with Saquon Barkley as his first two selections. Then we had Mark Andrews in round two. Uh, he's been in round two for most of the draft so far. Last night was the, the first time that Mark Andrews was not the third tight end off the board. He slipped behind Zach Ertz and just behind Zach Ertz in the middle of round three last night. Yeah, I'm curious to see, to see if his plan was to take Andrews and if it was, why he wouldn't maybe stack him with, with Lamar um, there. I know that's a pretty popular stack in, in mm-hmm. football guys and the, the main event, but um, I mean, I like Mahomes better. So, but you know, if, I don't know if his plan was to go Andrews, but then he made either way, he made up for it with the Josh Allen. In the <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really matter what he did there. <laughs> Josh Allen ahead of Russell Wilson. First time we've seen that. Oh, <laughs> I, I can't say that I agree with it, but it's been done. So <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, Mark Andrews, Josh Allen, the first three picks for, T, for TJ Hernandez. I got to say, I'm a little surprised that the Patrick Mahomes drafter would take another quarterback that soon. Because I think part of the allure to Patrick Mahomes early is that it allows you to wait a little bit longer uh, to to address your quarterback situation further. Yeah, I would guess that TJ's uh, thought is sort of to build on his strength and just like like make quarterback like, you know, the dominant piece of his team then hope he can, you know, just be even league average at the other spots and you know, he he'd have a nice chance to win the league. Kim yeah, not, at the I'm sorry, go ahead Adam. Yeah, I was just going to say I'm not too surprised either Allen at QB6. I mean, I had to, I definitely wouldn't take him ahead of Russell Wilson, but you know he finished uh, somewhere in that area last year. So, but normally, you know, after the the first six quarterbacks, there's a huge drop off as far as ADP and that we've seen in these drafts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, it's just interesting that that the QB six went went higher. Uh, well, actually, the QB six normally goes this high, but it's just interesting that it was Allen and not not Russell Wilson. Yeah, and Josh Allen's overall uh, QB ADP has been right around QB7, so it's yeah. not that outlandish. I wonder if TJ's decision here was um, affected by the Mr. Unlimited commercial. <laughs> Mine certainly is, for sure. <laughs> I know it was after last night's draft when I finally watched that video after seeing that it was <laughs> circulating. And uh, it was it was a little ridiculous, but it wasn't as ridiculous as I think people were reacting to. It reminded me of an episode of like Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So Christian McCaffrey, Chris Godwin, Aaron Jones for Kimra as the leader of the draft. We're around the two, three turn. She's gone running back wide receiver, running back. As we mentioned, the Josh Allen pick for TJ Hernandez. Lenny Papano starts with three running backs and the only one, well, the only one so far, we'll see what Danny Kelly does with his pick, which is uh, on the board now. Um, But one of the few three running back starts through all of the drafts so far for Lenny got Josh Jacobs as his third running back. I mean, it's hard to dislike Josh Jacobs as a 13th running back and a third round pick. Yeah, Jacobs is so interesting. Like coming into the league, his ability in the passing game was like the, the major selling point. I mean, he, he was so good in that facet at Alabama. And even you know, last year, I think for a rookie, he was pretty solid in the passing game. But the, the Raiders didn't use him a ton in that department. And then you know, I think the the moves they've made this offseason sort of suggest his 
passing volume isn't going to climb. But, you know, the, the Raiders coaches have made some comments that he's ready for a bigger role in the passing game. And I, I definitely, again, based on his college production, I, I think he's capable of doing more in the passing game. And if he does, I mean, he's a guy who I think is a pretty safe bet as far as rushing volume goes, you know, for 250 plus carries. If, if he can add 50, 60 targets to that, I think, you know, at running back 13, he'll be a big value. It's going to be a really interesting situation to watch because I agree that that potential is there, but they also drafted Lynn Bowden. They drafted Brian Edwards. They draft, they signed Jason Witten. You know, they drafted Henry Ruggs. So they added a lot of pass catchers and still have Jalen Richard around. So I, I don't know if they want to throw the ball more to Josh Jacobs this year. He's certainly capable. Again, it's just a coaching staff thing. Like, you know, he's your best player on offense, you know, give him the ball. Uh, as, as much as you possibly can. I think you guys have him for 48 targets now. So yeah, even 20 more targets would move him up, you know, three or four spots in the, right. in the rankings. So it's, he's certainly, that's the, that's what it is. You know, if he, if he gets the catches, he's a, he's a very good first round pick or, you know, a very good top 10 running back And here. Lenny gets him at RB 13. I think that, that, that might be his floor if he plays 16 games. And I know I saw Mike Mayock, challenged Josh Jacobs's pass protection. So perhaps that's the reason that he didn't get the receiving last year. And maybe he shows them this year what he needs to show them in that area. And then if he does get to, you know, 60, 65, 70 targets, I mean, we could be talking about Josh Jacobs as like at Dalvin Cook level by next year. Stop stop using your damn running backs to pass protect. They're, you know, that's thank what the linemen are for. Thank get, you. Get them out in pass routes. That's something John Gruden would do. Like, come exactly, on. Exactly. Unbelievable. Yeah, but you have to have somebody out there who can do it because if he's getting killed and you keep sending your running back out on routes, he's going to keep getting killed. Every once in a while, a guy's got to help. Well, throw it to the running back and then they'll start covering him. And then it's, you know, I don't know. It's a whole different <laughs> discussion, but like. Oh, it's good. Mar- Marshall Falk wasn't blocking people. He was running routes and killing people. I'm going to go ahead and guess without having the numbers in front of him. Marshall, Marshall Falk blocked a few people. Maybe. I'm going to go on YouTube. So I'm going to find some highlights. <laughs> I, see, I, don't think we had, I don't think we had PFF back in, in Falk's time. That's probably a good thing. But Nick Chubb was the next pick off the board. Running back 14. I have questions about Nick Chubb, but at running back 14, I have no question because there, there's really only upside as long as he stays healthy from that point and certainly in round three. He's the first running back for Elliott Chris, the 14th off the board, as I mentioned. Uh, then we had DeAndre Hopkins to Michael Fabiano, who is gone. Ezekiel Elliott, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins with his start. Abib, who we mentioned, started with two quarterbacks. He took James Conner as his first running back, the 15th off the board. Any of those picks jump out to you guys at all? Yeah, Chubb's interesting. Uh, he went at running back 14 last night, too. And, and in draft two, he was running back 12. So I, I don't know. It, just based on our drafts, he's going a bit later than ADP, which um, I don't necessarily disagree with. I mean, I, I think the guy's awesome, but I also think Kareem Hunt, Hunt's awesome. And, you know, you, you look at these top 15 or so running backs and no one else has a running back of Kareem Hunt behind them, you know, so I, I think that definitely adds risk to Nick Chubb, especially when you factor in that there's a new coaching staff there too. So we just don't know exactly how they're going to deploy Chubb and Hunt. And Nick Chubb, so it's worth noting, Nick Chubb's ADP has been RB8 in best ball tens. This is a sharp group of drafters. That's why we put this thing together because these are experienced fantasy players, whether, you know, analysts or high stakes players, lots of people doing lots of drafts for big money. I think it's worth noting that Nick Chubb is sliding a little bit in this place versus where he's going otherwise in ADP. Yeah. And I think it coincides with the the rise that Kareem Hunt's making. I mean, in the in football guys drafts, he's going, he's creeping into the late fourth round, you know? So if he's creeping up, Chubb's got to creep down a little bit. So uh, yeah, so, like you said, Jared, Chubb's super talented. It's just, is he going to see any, it's like the Josh Jacobs thing. Is he going to see any catches with, with, right. with, with Hunt there? And he was not efficient. At, at the goal line last year, uh, pounding that in. So if if Hunt steals some of those touches, then then Chubb's you know Chubb RB fourteen might might be a ceiling if 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 he's not yeah. getting the goal line touches or or the catches. Yeah, the goal line thing is interesting. Like I I, I think again I I'm with you. I think Nick Chubb's awesome, and, and I think it was just more unlucky at the goal line. Yeah. I don't think he's incapable of punching it in at the goal line. So I actually think he's probably in for some positive touchdown regression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder, though, if people are really worried after seeing the amazing slow motion footwork videos from Baker Mayfield, if they're just worried that that Cleveland's going to go 70% pass. I haven't seen those yet. I'll have to check those out. (laughs) Amazing. So whenever he's not going to get his uh, girlfriend a straw from the uh, concession stand, slow motion footwork. DeAndre Hopkins, as I mentioned, James Conner, Jonathan Taylor at running back 16, just to make Adam start slobbering. Yes. 
Yeah, I love that. What, what I find interesting too is so so Jonathan Taylor. I won't speak too much about him, but he finally got up there to the RB sixteen range. He's been going to the RB twenty, twenty one, twenty three range the first couple of drafts. So it's nice to see some someone put some respect on, on on his name there. But for a Beebs team there with the quarterback, quarterback, running back start, I don't hate Connor over Taylor because Connor I think has a, at least early season much higher higher floor. So yep. when you're going to have him as your RB one, when you got two quarterbacks. That's probably a little bit of a safer pick for him. Yeah, Connor's pretty clearly ahead of Jonathan Taylor for me. Even if Frank Reich said tomorrow Jonathan Taylor is our lead back, I would still have James Connor ahead of him because in, in Pittsburgh, he's the guy. He's the yeah. pass catcher. Yeah. He's the runner. He's going to do whatever they have a running back doing. Jonathan Taylor, I think, although I think he's easily the top ceiling guy in the indie backfield, Naheem Hines is going to be involved. Marlon Mack's going to be somewhat involved. I think both of those guys are better than anyone that's behind James Conner in Pittsburgh right now. Yeah, I mean, Taylor has an exciting ceiling, but so does mm-hmm. James Conner. I mean, we, we've seen him be a top 10 running back when he's been healthy over the past two seasons. So, And when are we going to see Jonathan Taylor throw logs backward over his head? <laughs> I, mean, I, think I think he's capable, though. He's capable of that. Yeah, let's let's see it proved, though. <laughs> Leonard Fournette followed Jonathan Taylor off the board, running back 17 with the eighth pick of round three to Dr. Brian Harwood's team. Todd Gurley was next off the board, and then Russell Wilson finally went at the unlimited spot of the 10th pick in round three. That's Ben Gretsch's team. He started Dalvin Cook, Tyree Kill, Russell Wilson. Pretty colors. He's gone with a different position in each round so far, uh, and it's it's entrancing. Le'Veon Bell followed Russell Wilson as the 11th pick of round three, and then Matt Ryan, the final pick of round three, to Ian Allen's team. So that gives us three quarterbacks in that round. We've got eight off the board through three rounds. It's interesting to see Le'Veon Bell creep up there. I saw some positive talk about Le'Veon Bell today. Yeah, Adam Nate said something nice about Le'Veon Bell. I know. That's pretty incredible. So. That was weird. That was weird. Did anybody <laughs> see his face while he was doing it, though? <laughs> no. So, so at, you know, after we only got five running backs in the first round, I think they've come off a bit faster than expected after that. And, and man, to me, like it's 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 tough to take a Le'Veon Bell over a wide receiver like Allen Robinson or Adam Thielen. So I, I've been a bit surprised how quickly that you know that that tier of running back, like the 15 to 20 tier came off the board here. For me, Le'Veon Bell makes more sense when you're setting lineups and you want um, consistent usage than he does in a best ball draft where you want and you know you still you want somebody who's getting the ball consistently, but you also want more spike week potential than I think he brings. Um, yeah. I think you have to believe in the Jets offense to actually like Le'Veon Bell for best ball. And I mean, I don't have an issue with Le'Veon Bell at running back nineteen. It's just I probably would have gone a different direction positionally at that point. I have an issue with Le'Veon Bell everywhere unless he's <laughs> dropping a new rap album. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way. He won't, probably won't be on any of my teams. David Johnson around the turn for Ian Allen, who's so old that he remembers when David Johnson was good that one year. Um, so he had gone George Kittle, Clyde Edward Delaire, Matt Ryan. David Johnson is the 20th running back off the board. DJ Moore, the second pick of round four, wide receiver seven off the board, kind of late for the seventh wide receiver. I don't have in front of me when the seventh receiver left the board in the past three drafts, but I, that, that strikes me as a, as a little bit late. Zach Ertz, definitely his latest spot early in round four. He's a third pick of round four here. He's been in the middle of round three. Otherwise, as I mentioned last night, he went before Mark Andrews. So uh, Zach Ertz pushed down a little bit um, on tonight's board. Yeah, he pushed down. Like you said, the receivers are kind of getting pushed down too. They're, um, you know, yeah. Robinson and apparently no one saw my tirade about Mike Evans last night, but he doesn't. He went he went wide receiver 11. You know, yeah. I think it's a, it's a little bit better, although it was a couple picks later, I think. So actually one pick later, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, receivers are definitely being pushed down. Yeah, I took him at 408 last night. I think it was wide receiver 13. So yeah. it's not, not pushed down a lot, but yeah, Mike Evans still getting disrespected. And I think Elliott's going to enjoy benefiting from that. We have had a little bit of a wide receiver run this round so far after a running back run in round three. After Zach Ertz, we saw Allen Robinson go as the eighth wide out, then Adam Thielen, then Odell Beckham. Danny Kelly started with three running backs. As I mentioned last night, we only had one drafter. It was Chad Schrader who had three running backs on his team by the end of round four. And that was after he started with the receiver in, in round one. Yeah, Melvin Gordon sticks out to me as a nice value here in the fourth round to Fabiana um, at running back 22. And that's got to be four or five, six spots later than ADP. Um, I just think Bill Lindsay's a good player. When you're an undrafted free agent, like you're just, you're always facing an uphill battle and the, the amount of money 
Denver gave Melvin Gordon. Um, I, I just think he's going to be the pretty clear lead back there. And, you know, among that tier of running backs, you know, he's right up there with James Conner as, you know, one of my favorites in that, in that group. I think that every time you look at Philip Lindsay, you just see him running uphill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gordon, Gordon's good there too. Yeah. RB 22. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I think they're going to, they're going to give him the ball a ton. He, I don't think he's that great of a player. I mean, I think his career, you know, yards per carry is like 3.9 or something like that. But, um, but I think he's going to get, he's going to get the volume and he's going to get the goal line touches. So in RB 22, I think that's a, that's a nice pick. And he made it to RB 22 because Abib took Raheem Mostert at running back yeah. 21 at 407, which is an early spot for him. I mean, certainly the right spot, not in the draft necessarily, but the right spot being the San Francisco backfield for getting the upside in a best ball format. Be curious to see if he adds Tevin Coleman to him later. I was when I drafted Raheem Mostert last night a little bit ahead of usual. I was envisioning getting Tevin Coleman to pair with him. Did not end up working out. But I still think the spike weeks in the San Francisco backfield are worth it, even if he doesn't ultimately finish you know, exactly where you drafted him in the running back rankings. It's looking like TJ Hernandez is going to keep us on all night here. I think he's going to be the zero RB guy tonight. <laughs> it's looking that way. After the Gordon and Mostert picks, we had Mike Evans, as we mentioned. Tom Brady to Lenny Papano's team, who started with three running backs. He's got to be using his MVP board to take Tom Brady as the ninth quarterback off the board, beating ADP on him. And then Kenny Galladay, wide receiver 12, an appropriate spot, a more appropriate spot at least than usual to TJ Hernandez, who then took another receiver at his next turn, as Jared just alluded to. Yeah, I mean, get Kenny Galladay behind Mike Evans, behind A-Rob, you know, I think behind Thielen to me. Thielen's clear, cl- clearly a better bat than Galladay. So I, I guess wide receiver 12, I can live with that. Drew Brees to Kimra at the turn, 4-5. She doubled up on quarterbacks. Drew Brees and then Daniel Jones as quarterback 11 with, with Carson Wentz still on the board, among others. So that's an interesting pick. Adam, what do you think of Daniel Jones this year? Yeah, I don't know. Quarterback 11 is a little high for, for me. Uh, now Kimra's won way more money than I have. So uh, I'll take I'll take her word for it. But yeah, I mean, I, maybe that's something that I have to start paying attention to because I usually don't take quarterbacks to later on. And Daniel Jones usually in that range. His schedule just at the beginning of the year is so, so difficult. And, and you know, I play mostly ffpc and it's, it's 11 11 weeks in the regular season and if i can't start my studying quarterback for you know five six weeks uh he's pretty useless to me but um but you know he's got a lot of weapons there he is he is mobile he's got that rushing upside so and in these best balls and superflex best balls that that's what you want to you want a quarterback if you can get a quarterback that can run so um you know that could be a nice nice sleeper pick for her yeah, I, I think it's how, how much weight do you put into those massive spike weeks that Jones had as a rookie? Like, do you think that that's who he is and he's going to continue to do that? Because if that's the case, I think at quarterback 11 in a best ball, he makes sense. Or do you think it was just, you know, small sample size? He sort of lucked into a few big games as a rookie and he, he's not going to be that guy going forward. I think that's the question with Jones. Definitely earlier than I'm taking Daniel Jones. But the thing about the fields for these drafts is like, if I'm going to tell if I'm going to tell Kimra that she made a, a stupid pick, I feel like it's like making fun of Tom Brady for losing in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Right. And the other thing is too, again, picking at the ends of these drafts, if she's committed to taking Daniel Jones, right. uh, she's got, you know, 24, 23, whatever picks it is to yeah. get back to her. Then you get, you got to take him now. Yeah, I like Jones too in basketball. Cause he's very stackable. You know, like I, yeah. I, I think Evan Ingram is a pretty nice value where he's going. And then I mean, I, I'm not a big Darius Slayton guy, but I think Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate, both tend to be pretty good values in drafts. So Jones, a guy where you have a lot of different options to stack him with. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. That that might be one of the things she's doing. And Evan Ingram's been going in round six in these drafts. I'd be curious to see if he makes it to the end of round six and if he is the pick there um, in, in that case. Calvin Ridley followed Daniel Jones off the board. Then Carson Wentz as the 12th quarterback to Lenny Papano. So he's got three running backs, two quarterbacks. It's kind of a comfy feeling in these drafts when you get that second quarterback fairly early. And you know that you're going to get a third at some point, but there's less pressure to make sure that you really land a good third one. Yeah, I felt the same way when I did mine. Just you know, and I think I took a third by round eight or round seven. So yeah, once you can get those, you can kind of forget about the position and and move on and focus on on other stuff. But and he's you know he's loaded up there at running back too. That so that's a re- that's a really nice start there. I like the three running backs and the two two QBs. Interesting to me, just looking at the board, how all these quarterbacks are on like the left side. Like you know, team, teams one through six have really loaded up. Where yeah. back half of the draft, you know, we have four guys with one quarterback and a couple guys that don't have a single quarterback yet. And just in general, quarterbacks flying off the board a lot 
earlier than we've seen in the first three drafts tonight? Last night we had two teams wait until round six for their first quarterback and two others wait until round seven. We have what one team left in this draft now that, that has not taken a quarterback and we are hey, we have two. We have two of them. Okay. Yeah, Harwood, Harwood yeah. and uh, Alex Kakanovsky. Oh, that's right. So we're into round six here. We'll see how far Alex is going. We'll see how far uh, Dr. Brian is going to go. Beyond Carson Wentz, we had Chris Carson at running back 23, which is pretty good value on him, I think. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is quarterback 13, the second quarterback for Michael Fabiano's team. Juju Smith-Schuster to Abib at 506. That gives him two quarterbacks, two running backs, and then his first receiver. Wide receiver 14 for Juju. Adam, what do you think of him right there? Yeah, you know, if Big Ben's healthy and Juju's healthy, I mean, he was a he was a back half of the first-round pick last year, you know, early second-round pick, so... Um, he gets certain he's certainly going to pay off that that price tag. I think that one of the reasons why he hasn't really skyrocketed back up to where he was last year is because all the people who thought he wasn't good without AB are kind of you know taking victory laps here. Where I don't think we know yet. I you know so I would I would probably be a little bit higher on Juju, maybe wide receiver ten ish. Um, so I think he got good value here, and he could be an absolute target monster. And the the Steelers are a pretty cheap stack as as well. So if he wants to go get Deontay Johnson, if he wants to go get a couple of those other young receivers, he can get those guys for 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 free. I think it's a fair spot for Juju. I've been a little skittish just because, as you said, we don't know about him post Antonio Brown yet, and. It's such a fragile offense we saw last year. I mean, there are other offenses that can lose even their starting quarterback and still be okay. Pittsburgh nosedived without Ben Roethlisberger last year. Yeah, that's that's the that's the scary part is if Big Bang gets hurt. Now again, Juju was hurt too, but yeah, if Big Bang gets hurt, it looks like uh, it looks like he's he's de- he's dead there. Yeah, can I can I believe Pittsburgh didn't you know improve that backup quarterback situation this offseason? I I can't get over Amari Cooper dropping a wide receiver twenty. That's insane to me. Yeah. He seems to have been sliding lately. I'm not sure exactly why. Maybe more people are worrying or starting to worry more about the CD Lamb thing. I know that there is the out after two years in Amari Cooper's contract, but it's definitely worth noting not only that they re-signed him for $100 million over five years, but also that he chose the Cowboys over more money with Washington. So that clearly indicates to me that Dallas was saying the right things to him in addition to offering him a big enough contract. Yeah, I mean, listen, he, he's not he's not a perfect player. You know, he he's banged up too much. He he can struggle against, you know, elite cornerbacks. I think a lot of wide receivers struggle against elite cornerbacks, but especially in best ball leagues, like that's where you want to draft Mario Cooper. He has he has massive games, and I think even with CD Lamb there, he's gonna have a bunch more big games this season in that Cowboys offense that we've talked about. I think we're all pretty high on that Dallas offense. Yeah, for me, if I'm a Beeb, I'm taking Amari Cooper at wide receiver 14 instead of Juju uh, mm-hmm. to stack him with Dak Prescott at that 506 pick. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I don't even I don't even think Alex likes him. He passed on him two times <laughs> with more in Woods. I think he's like, all right, I guess I guess I'll take him. Yeah, that's crazy. It's like when the Patriots finally took Tom Brady. <laughs> or, or, like, or like when the Ravens finally took Lamar Jackson. You know what I mean? They're like, all right, we'll take him with our third first-round pick. Right, like when the Ravens finally took Mark Andrews after taking Hayden Hurst. <laughs> there you go. Could do this all day. <laughs> Danny Kelly took two quarterbacks with his last two picks. Round, got to round five without a quarterback, then took Jared Goff as a 14th quarterback off the board. Ben Roethlisberger right after that. Um, A.J. Brown – oh, so by the way, that means no Pittsburgh stack for Abib who took Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, I, I'm not sure he was actually hoping for that because he already had two quarterbacks taken in, in rounds one and two, but, you know, not an option at least. A.J. Brown, the 15th wide receiver off the board. I said I'm skittish on Juju at wide receiver 14. I'm out on A.J. Brown at wide receiver 15. Yeah, I think in a best ball, again, he's going to be a nice – he's going to have some some big games. I You know, I realize the, the concerns with the targets and, and stuff like that. I just think he's – so talented and um and again that's another team you can you can stack maybe not with the receivers but with Johnu Smith there a little later on but but yeah I think in best ball is probably the spot that I like AJ Brown the the, the most and I don't think wide receiver 15 is too horrible but I'll give, you four, I'll give you four quick reasons to not take him there Robert Woods Tyler Lockett Terry McLaurin Amari Cooper who went uh, around five six turn McLaurin, I'm, I'm I'm surprised you said McLaurin. AJ Brown is like every year. There's one guy I'm just like scared that we're too low on that. I I have I have not drafted AJ Brown a single time all off season. It, it scares me because I do think he's 
good. Like I think it's very likely that he's very good. You look at his college production was awesome. He tested well at the combine. He got second round draft capital had one of the more efficient rookie seasons we've seen in NFL history. There's a chance he just exceeds even the volume he gets this season. Even if he doesn't see 130 targets, he could just turn 110 targets into another, you know, top 15 season. So I'm a bit worried, um, but I'm, I'm just such a slave to volume when it comes to, you know, fantasy football. And I, I don't think Brown's going to get, you know, top 15 level volume this season. Right. The thing that makes me not nervous is I think he's going to need to well outplay his volume to finish wide receiver 15. So I think, yeah, there's a chance that he gets up into this range as a performer. I don't think that there's a chance that he goes past it because the Tennessee is not an offense that I, that I, that I'm nervous to not bet on this year because everything, you know, they were awesome the second half of last year, but everything that they did was not repeatable. So they're going to have to do it much differently this year if they're going to support everybody's numbers. And I think at the very least, somebody there is coming down, whether it's Derrick Henry or the passing game, and there's room for all of them to come down. Yeah, I, I just think that part of the not repeatable part is is the volume, like the, like the fact that they won playoff games with like 60 passing yards, like that's absurd. But I mean, uh, even that though was well down from what they were doing in the regular season. Sure, but I also think that he didn't have um, he didn't have Tannehill there until about half the year too. So I think there's some room for for growth in the in in the volume category. But um, you know, but I also don't disagree with the players that went in front of him or, or around. But I think in best ball, you don't even necessarily need him to finish wide receiver fifteen if he gives you five mm-hmm. top three weeks, right? You know, and then has a couple of eight yard weeks. You don't really care in in, in best ball. Yeah, that, that's fair. He's a better pick in best ball. Um, I'm I'm just surprised people have overlooked the fact that he you know basically did nothing in the playoffs. Even if you look yeah. at you know, a few weeks of the regular season, he had a couple like one catch games. I I, I do think that inconsistency at least is going to be there. So you know that that obviously again makes him a better pick in best ball drafts. I'll tell you what else is surprising is two rounds after taking AJ Brown as the wide receiver 15, uh, Dr. Brian Arwood, who has no quarterbacks, passed on Ryan Tannehill as a potential stack in round seven. So he's through seven picks, has no quarterbacks, did not stack Tannehill with A.J. Brown. I feel like that might have been the kind of saving move for me for taking A.J. Brown there. You know, we'll see how it works out. It certainly doesn't kill you, but we're also 20 quarterbacks in now before he gets another turn to add one. Yeah, it's interesting too is, (laughs) I hate to say it, but am I becoming a Devin Singletary fan? I mean, they got RB28. I don't I don't know where he went in the other drafts, but I just in the seventh round, that schedule is so easy the first the first couple of weeks. And I'm a huge Zach Moss guy, but again, I, you know, I think that's one of the problems too with drafting in like April is you get these opinions of guys like, okay, I hate Singletary in the fourth round, but now we're in August and he's going in the seventh. It's like, yeah, I could I could definitely buy him in the seventh round. And not to mention, it's easy to pair Zach Moss with him. I mean, Zach Moss is right. around several rounds later, so even if you're iffy on Devin Singletary. Not hard to insure him with Zach Moss, and I would love to own that entire backfield more than I want Devin Singletary in particular. That's true. After uh, the Ben Roethlisberger pick, well, where did we leave off? A.J. Brown before that. Matthew Stafford was a 15th quarterback off the board, went to Jeff Stein's team, who got two quarterbacks in a row, Matthew Stafford, Baker Mayfield, in rounds five and six. Cooper Cup, the 16th receiver, then those four that I mentioned around the turn, Robert Woods, Tyler Lockett, Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper at wide receiver 20, which I think we all agree is a little too low. Um, Cam Newton, the 16th quarterback off the board, the third pick of round six to Ben Gretsch. A couple picks later, we had Mark Ingram, and then we had Ben Roethlisberger as the second quarterback for Danny Kelly's team. So I believe now, and I you know, had trouble reading it the first time, Jared, so maybe you can correct me, but Brian Harwood is the only team with no quarterbacks at this point. Yep, he is through eight rounds. So I think he, he's going to be the latest team to take their quarterback one, right? I don't think anyone's gone eight rounds without a quarterback yet. Yeah, the previous leader was Mark Garcia, who took his first quarterback in round eight. So curious to see what Brian Harwood's zero QB approach is here in this particular league. Yeah, 21 quarterbacks off the board. If you, if you look, though, every team but one behind him already has two, and the other team has one. So I, I, I guess Brian's sort of gambling that these teams don't start taking their third quarterbacks here. Yeah. Or he doesn't know it's a super flex, one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that one plays out. 
Uh, we've mentioned the Ben Roethlisberger pick, DJ Chark after that, Keenan Allen, Darren Waller as the fifth tight end, Cortland Sutton, Kareem Hunt as a 25th running back near the end of round six. And then Kimra did have a chance to take Evan Ingram at the 6-7 turn, passed on him twice, took DeAndre Swift, took Jarvis Landry as a 24th receiver. Yeah, a couple of interesting picks there. I mean, I guess DeAndre Swift running back 26, that's about where he goes. Jarvis Landry, wide receiver 24, that's quite a bit ahead of ADP. If it wasn't for the hip, I have no issue with it. The hip thing scares me a little bit. I think there's a chance he's not ready for week one. But, I mean, Jarvis Landry, when he's healthy, he will at least, I think, return wide receiver 24 You know, value. And beyond being ready for week one, I have to wonder if the hip injury – interrupts his his preparation in general if it just knocks him off stride a little bit this season it's one of those injuries that can just kind of get in the middle of things and keep you from working out the way that you want to can cause some compensation issues so it's going to be something to watch as we go forward tj hernandez followed the jarvis landry pick with stefan diggs in round seven the 25th receiver stacks with josh allen back in round three so i like that better Uh, you know it would certainly be better if that team had a, a throwing quarterback but I think Stefan Diggs there helps Josh Allen. Yeah, he definitely helps Allen. And, you know, I was I was sweating losing um, losing Trey White today to opting out. But uh, that would have helped the passing game in Buffalo, actually, because they would have had to throw more. But, um, but yeah, I like I like Diggs there. You know, he's going to have some big games. He's going to have some some games where he d- disappears, and it's a John Brown game. But we'll see. Maybe they maybe uh, maybe TJ can stack him with John Brown there. And and Will Fuller, such such a great pick. Again, we've talked about him a bunch. At wide receiver thirty three. He always looks really nice as a as a wide receiver four on these best ball teams. Yeah, not not many stacks from what I'm from not, what I'm seeing. I don't know about you guys. I think yeah, I'm not seeing many. Yeah, that Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs might be the only one I'm I'm seeing right now. You can tell that we've been on for four straight nights too, because Adam didn't even take my bait on making fun of Josh Allen. That's time. right. I, I forgot every show's a new show, but I don't know. It's DK <laughs> <laughs> Metcalf followed Stephon Diggs off the board, then Devontae Parker, Hunter Henry with the sixth tight end in round seven. Cam Akers at running back twenty-seven. He went a little bit late like that last night. Uh, and, and running backs kind of slid. We had our our twenty-second running back off the board in round four, and then only Five running backs from there gets us into round seven. So kind of a dead zone at the position in that range. Tyler Boyd, a favorite of all of us at wide receiver 28, went to Danny Kelly's team. He's now got three running backs, two receivers, uh, two quarterbacks, and he took Evan Ingram as the eighth tight end off the board in round eight. I I like Evan Ingram a lot as the eighth tight end. Yeah, especially in a a best ball. You know, he's going to have those those, those spike weeks, and he's also – you know, if he gets if he gets hurt, you can stack him with some other tight ends. You can um, I forget this backup's name there, but his backup's pr- pretty good. Uh, you can grab him later too. But uh, yeah, Angram, I'm kind of coming around on him as a, like a like a point per game high tight end, right. um, and just hope cross your fingers that he doesn't get hurt again. Yeah, Caden Smith would be the handcuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the um, you know the the list Frank injury Ingram suffered late last season, I think was a concern for most of the offseason, but he he avoided the pup list open training camp. So yeah, seems like that shouldn't be an issue by the time week one rolls around. Every healthy day is a blessing for Evan Ingram. <laughs> Tyler <laughs> Boyd, as I mentioned, followed Cam Akers. Then we had Devin Singletary. Then Ronald Jones at running back twenty nine. I like that spot for him, and I also like the spot for Marquise Brown as wide receiver twenty nine off the board to Ben Gretch's team. So through eight picks, that eight picks for him, he's got uh, Dalvin Cook, Tyreek Hill, Russell Wilson, Zach Ertz, Cooper Cup, Cam Newton, Marquise Brown, and then his third quarterback, Gardner Minshew, the 21st quarterback off the board. That's kind of the strategy we saw Hayden Winks deploy last night, where you take your stud running back in the first round and then kind of you know ignore the position and load up elsewhere. Interesting. Of course, we saw Hayden wait until this range to take Gardner Minshew as his first quarterback. I was going to say, I think it was his first, yeah. Behind Marquise Brown, we had Ryan Tannehill go to Alex Kaganowski. That was his first quarterback. He went tight end, two running backs, three wide receivers, then Ryan Tannehill. He then took Tyler Higby as his tight end seven. I said before the show, I thought Brian Harwood was going to be the Tyler Higby drafter. I'm shocked that he did not take Tyler Higby anywhere in that no QB start because Brian – and his uh, general fantasy partner told us that they're Western Kentucky guys, and that's that's tight end university that produced Tyler Higby, Jack Doyle, and like Deion Yelder, I think was the other one. <laughs> Don't forget oh, about Deion Yelder. <laughs> that's that's right. And maybe hey, maybe he'll take Jack Doyle. Ryan's we'll nine rounds in. He doesn't have a quarterback. He doesn't have a tight end either. And he has he has four running backs and five wide. Oh, He's gonna no. get a rugby team. <laughs> I want I want to bring up David Montgomery. I mean, running back thirty. I think that's I and like I know he wasn't impressive last year, but I I liked him coming into the league. You know, he had awesome tape at Iowa State. 
Um, he was running behind behind bad O lines there, but you know, I think he was better than the college production would suggest. So, you know, for for a guy who I think still might be better than what he showed as a rookie, and a guy who is really like locked into like 230 plus carries, um, I think running back 30 is, is a nice value there. If he stays healthy for 16 games, he's gonna outproduce the RB 30 price tag. But it's you know what, what does he give you if you take him to RB thirty and he finishes RB twenty three? Did you did you really win there? And I guess again, it depends on team build. This is RB three. That's not it's not terrible. Again, I would target him more. I think we talked about it yesterday more as a if I'm going zero RB and I just need I need volume. But uh, I just don't see him getting anywhere in the in the you know in the RB one territory. I don't think he's very good. I don't think he's going to score many touchdowns by where he is. I do think that the argument for him is volume. And he certainly, there's absolutely no issue with him here. I also don't have any issue though, with taking the guys that did go ahead of him, because I I don't think that there are, I mean, there's weekly spikes for everybody, but I think David Montgomery has, you know, two or three weekly spikes in him. Whereas somebody like Ronald Jones could have six or seven playing with Tom Brady and much better receivers. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I guess if I look at the running backs that went ahead of him, I mean, it was DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, Devin Singletary. I, I can't, like, say for sure that David Montgomery is a better pick than those guys. The other thing with Montgomery, though, I think there's a chance he, he does more in the passing game this year because he, he was better than Tariq Cohen in the passing game by pretty much any metric you look at. We'll see. I'm not I'm not betting on it, but, I mean, you know, we can, we can at least agree that he's a solid pick as the third running back for Ian Allen's team at the spot where he went and certainly at running back 30. So he took uh, Jimmy Garoppolo before that, then David Montgomery, then Jamison Crowder, uh, Dallas Goddard, his latest pick. So I, I know that Ian Allen's the kind of guy who at some point he's just going to scoop up the guys who get volume and that you know will give you floor numbers each week. I will also say that floor numbers at running back will help uh, when David Johnson goes down in week four. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's interesting. Crowder's one of those guys. Like, I think – did you take Crowder yesterday, Matt? No. Okay, yeah. I got Crowder in the 14th round or 13th round than a couple of nights ago, and I, I just thought that was a pretty good deal. Uh, I think this is kind of more where he belongs up here in the ninth round uh, as the Jets number one. I mean, I think that he might even belong a little higher, especially when you have to start three receivers every week. Nice to have somebody in PPR who's probably going to be averaging eight, nine targets a week and see plenty of weeks that go more like 12 or even, you know, 15 targets. Yeah, Crowder was the top 15 PPR wideout over the second half of last season after Sam Darnold got over his mono. And, you know, the Jets lose Robbie Anderson. They add Rashad Perriman and Denzel Mims, but neither of those guys have any chemistry with Sam Darnold where, you know, Crowder built a year's worth of chemistry with his quarterback last year. Yeah, I mean, we talk about ceiling over floor at running back, and you always want ceiling, but floor is good because if you have somebody that's going to give you, you know, 10 to 18 points a week at wide receiver, obviously there are going to be some weeks where Jamison Crowder also reaches the end zone. So I, I think Jamison Crowder is an undervalued asset in any PPR format. Mentioned David Montgomery, Tyler Higby, Gardner Minshew, Michael Gallup was the 30th wide receiver off the board. I think that was right about where he went last night as well. It might have been the exact spot in among wide receivers that he went last night to my team. A.J. Green at wide receiver 31. How are you guys treating A.J. Green so far? Because I love the upside on A.J. Green. I'm a little bit concerned before we're really into practice and knowing how healthy he is to draft him. I've been a little apprehensive when he comes up when it's time for him, but I mean, if he's ready, and even if he doesn't complete the season, he could be absolutely awesome on a per-week basis. I haven't been treating AJ Green very well, but it's, he's one of those guys. You're absolutely right. Like with with preseason here now, and and if we hear that he's that he's you know looked as good as ever, and he's running great, and he looks great, he's a guy I would not hesitate to move up my board. I just usually you know, like a couple other players around his area, a couple other receivers. Like I, you know, Will Fuller's upside. I like, you know, guys like that. Boyd, I've been drafting Boyd way more than I've been drafting AJ Green. So, but yeah, I could certainly move my board very quickly. Yeah, I was going to say the only reason I haven't been drafting more AJ Green is because I have been drafting Tyler Boyd and they, they kind of go in the same area. I'm maybe too high on that Bengals offense. I mean, I, I just think with Joe Burrow there, that's a massive quarterback upgrade. And AJ Green, it's just, I think he's the type of guy you want to be drafting in his territory, like as a wide receiver three, I just think I, he, if, if he's healthy, 
And if Joe Burrow is the real deal, like A.J. Green has wide receiver one upside in his his range of outcomes. And at their prices, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, and Joe Burrow, it's like it's such an easy stack to get. There's only ceiling to it. I'm not worried that they're not going to deliver at the prices I have to pay to get them. And I I think that there's the chance – that they really way outperform what we're expecting fantasy-wise. Agreed. Uh, I should backtrack here a little bit because I just saw uh, via comment that Abib said Raheem Mostert was an accidental auto pick back in week four, so we, or round four. So we talked about him going a little early. Apparently, it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> so okay, after AJ Green, Evan Ingram was the eighth tight end. Joe Burrow went as the QB twenty-two to Abib's team. That gives him three quarterbacks following Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, and in, in rounds one and two, and then Joe Burrow in round eight. That's a nice trio of quarterbacks. Definitely, yeah. I, Burrow quarterback twenty-two. I mean, I guess I guess that's about where he goes. But I I think he has top twelve in, in his you know in, in his ceiling just based on the weapons around him. Um, yeah. I, still think, I still think the Bengals are going to be a team that are yeah, that's you know playing from behind more often than not this season. And I think Burrow has sneaky rushing upside. He showed it to us. You. Um, I think he can give you, you know, two to 300 rushing yards this year. Yeah, I think Burrow's going to be a stud eventually. It's going to be hard for him, though, as a rookie without a really good preseason, two games against the Ravens, two games against the Steelers. You know, you just as your quarterback three in a super flex, you're fine. But as a if you got to start quarterbacks, you, you're, you know, you're going to not start him on those weeks. And uh, but if he's your QB, two, who who cares? I mean, Joe Burrow, I, I like Joe Burrow at least as much as Daniel Jones. And I, I don't understand why you would take Jimmy Garoppolo with Joe Burrow still on the board. We've got one guy who has George Kittle and, you know, hope beyond that. We have Joe Burrow who has A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, and 700 college rushing yards behind him. So he's at least Jimmy Garoppolo with rushing. I'll point out that um, Ian Allen did stack Garoppolo with Kittle. So I, I guess if he has them ranked, in the same, you know, general territory, it might make sense just to get the stack there. Uh, for me, I'm chasing the weekly upside with Joe Burrow over that stack. It's fair. But it's also fair to make the stack. So we'll <laughs> move on from there. T.Y. Hilton at wide receiver 32 is the next pick. I think that's absurdly low for T.Y. Hilton. I think he's going to see at least 23% of targets this year and could climb above that. Got a big QB upgrade from uh, Jacoby Brissett to Phillip Rivers. I, I think T.Y. Hilton is going to surprise people this year, unless he just breaks down. And, I mean, if he, if he does that, six good games. I was going to say, I hate that he's already dealing with, like, a hamstring injury early in training camp. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think he's going to break down. I think Rivers is already <laughs> broken down. He's, I mean, he's got – I have three kids and I'm broken down. And he has 25, so – um, I, you know, I can't imagine how he does it, but, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely not huge on him, but as I think he went wide receiver 32, he's going to be better than that in the games that, that he plays. So in, in, in best ball, I think, I think he's fine there. I just haven't, I haven't been, been targeting him. Um, I think one guy that we haven't talked about that I was interested to see what you guys saw on it was Nicole Hardman. I know in a, in a lineup setting, he's going to be very difficult, but, um, as a wide receiver four here. Uh, for this offense, for for his offense, uh, LA Chris, what, what do you guys think of him? I, I have not come close to drafting Hardman yet this year. Um, I'd rather have Sammy Watkins like two or three rounds later. In the games Watkins was healthy last year, Hardman barely hit the field, and you know, I don't think he topped like three targets in any of those games. Now, I, I think he's going to play a bigger role in his second season, but the Chiefs are paying Sammy Watkins quite a bit of money. So I think as long as Watkins is healthy, he's he's going to be ahead of Hardman still. The only way I'm drafting Nicole Hardman where I would have to is if I'm stacking him with Tyreek Hill because there's obviously going to be a couple of games where Nicole Hardman scores a 65-yard touchdown and maybe yeah. get a starting week out of him there. But the upside with him is that Tyreek Hill goes down and Nicole Hardman plays the Tyreek Hill role because that's when he got his spike in volume last year. Uh, otherwise... I know that they're going to throw him the ball more this year, I assume, but they also re-signed Demarcus Robinson. They also renegotiated with Sammy Watkins to make sure he didn't leave. So there's only so many targets available. I don't see it uh, where you have to pay for him. Yeah, I think Miko is great in best ball and great to stack with, you know, with Tyreek Hill or with Sammy Watkins, you know, or all, all three of them, you know, because you can you can get them all. Um but yeah, as in, in lineup setting leagues, I'm not, I'm not touching him either. In, in best ball, he's intriguing because he does have that upside. And you know, Sammy Watkins had one, you know, week one last year. That was it. He did. He literally d- disappeared. He was, so yeah, he was he was good in the playoffs, though. He was good, and he's always been good in the playoffs when when, when, he, when he's been in there. So 
I'll forever be a be a, be a Sammy Watkins fan. So you can't you can't you I can't know. only because he made you money in week one last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was fun. That was fun. Teddy Bridgewater, QB twenty three off the board, the second quarterback for Elliot Christ, who took Lamar Jackson back in round one. So he's sitting on two of them right now. Noah Fant off the board next is the ninth tight end to Lenny Papano. So he's with you, Jared. He's a Noah Fant believer this year. Um, that was his first tight end of the draft. He started three running backs, two quarterbacks, then Cortland Sutton, DK Metcalf, Noah Fant, Marvin Jones, and then Jonu Smith and Derek Carr since then. I don't want to be biased here, but I think it's, it's a pretty nice team. I mean, I like, like that he, I like that he got, you know, he sort of, he set it running back after those first three guys and just sort of started attacking everything else. And I think it's a pretty balanced team. Like there's no weakness on that roster right now. Yeah. I want to see who else he's going to add at tight end because Noah Fant and Jonu Smith are both a, a little bit fragile in terms of production. Yeah. If you cross off the names on the top, I would, and said pick the Draft Sharks team, I'd probably be able to do it. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Jonu Smith's got great ups. Noah Fant and Jonu Smith both have great upside for for best ball. Those are good. Those are good guys. And Met, Metcalf and I know um, you guys are higher on Marvin Jones because you're lower on um, uh, the other receivers there, and especially Jared's boy there. Yeah, you so you can't even say his name. You hate I, no, I'm not even going to say his name. I'm going to let everybody guess. That's just rude. <laughs> Danny Amendola. Danny Amendola. Um, but yeah, so I. I I like I like that t- team a lot. Let's see if they can um, if they can add a couple more receivers here coming up. Following that, following that pick, Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, and back to back turn. Uh, TJ Hernandez took Fuller, and then Brandon Cooks to Kimra's team. She took Rob Gronkowski around the turn at the eight nine as her first tight end, the tenth tight end off the board, round nine for tight end ten in this t- tight end premium format. Seems a little bit late. I don't have the the com I don't have the uh, comparison in front of me to know when the tenth tight end went off the board in the first three drafts, but I'd be willing to guess that it was before that point, 901. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It was the mid-ninth in the first two drafts, and it was um, the early 10th in the third draft, so a, a bit earlier for the 10th tight end there. Okay. J.K. Dobbins, Marvin Jones, Mike Jasucki was the 11th tight end off the board, went to Elliott Chris's team. He's the second tight end for that squad. James White, RB32 next. Hayden Hurst as tight end 12. I think that's solid value on him. Deontay yeah. Johnson – now that he's off the board, I say I'm surprised that Deontay Johnson was not a pick of Lenny Papano's. I know that's a good point. <laughs> I want to go back to TJ Hernandez, who you know he he started with zero running backs through five picks. I like the three running backs he's taken since then. Um, I think you know they all have have upside to be RB ones if if things go right, and I think they all could contribute even without injuries in front of them. He took Kareem Hunt in the sixth round. J.K. Dobbins in the ninth round at running back 31. I think that that's a great pick. And then Tevin Coleman in the 11th round. So I, I like the three running backs he's grabbed after starting with those other spots. Yeah, and zero RB enthusiasts would say that's not a true zero RB roster because he only went five rounds before succumbing to the allure of the running backs. But I, I agree with you. He took three guys that should contribute even when the player ahead of them on the depth chart is healthy. And he just followed with Latavius Murray. Now, Latavius Murray is a true handcuff. He's not going to do very much. He's not going to do nearly so much when Alvin Kamara is on the field. But if Alvin Kamara goes down, Latavius Murray showed us last year he has top six upside. Top three upside. Like like the yeah. the role he was playing when Kamara went down was insane. I mean, he was getting like 30 opportunities per game in that offense. Yeah, he's such a good handcuff. He's he's an elite handcuff. I really like what TJ's done with the, you know, the zero RB start and then just those Wait. are some – those yeah. are some ideal, some ideal running backs there. He also added John Brown, by the way, in round ten as another stack with Josh Allen. So he's got both pass catchers to go with the Buffalo running back. His process is good. We'll see if the results follow. <laughs> so after John Brown, we've uh, what actually the round before that, Golden Tate was the thirty seventh wide receiver. Austin Hooper was the thirteenth tight end. So climbed a little bit more after where he went in the past couple of drafts. TJ Hawkinson right behind Austin Hooper. Kirk Cousins, the 24th quarterback off the board. Uh, Brian Harwood still without a quarterback through his first 10 picks and through Kirk Cousins and Sam Darnold as the 25th quarterback off the board. Alex Kaganowski, meanwhile, took Sam Darnold and Kirk Cousins at back-to-back turns in rounds 9 and 10. 24th, 25th quarterbacks, those give him three after he waited until round 7 to take his first. There's a chance. There's a chance we look back, you know, in four months and and wonder why we weren't taking T.J. Hawkinson earlier. Everyone agreed he was like an elite prospect coming to the league. He got the you know the, you know, the massive draft capital 
was mostly disappointing as a rookie, but you know, most rookie tight ends are disappointing. Um, I, I just think Hawkinson, there's you know room for him to easily be the third option in that passing game. I, I like Marvin Jones, but I wouldn't be shocked if Hawkinson even out-targeted Marvin Jones this season. So he, he's a guy I've been taking a lot if he's coming in that tight end 14 range. Yeah, I think it depends on how you, how you built your team too, especially in tight end premium. You know, a, a lot of times you might already have two, but if you're willing to wait, he's yeah, he certainly got got that upside there too. Ian Allen in the last spot of the round has taken Duke Johnson in at the end of round eleven nice. to uh, pair him with David Johnson, which certainly adds insurance to David Johnson. So I like that move. As a non-David Johnson fan, I especially like adding Duke Johnson. He was the 39th running back off the board, so it looks like Ian Allen either believes in Duke Johnson's upside or reached a little bit past ADP to make sure that he secured that handcuff. And being on the turn like Ian Allen is, I mean, you you, you have to reach. Like He he couldn't gamble that that uh, Duke was going to make it all the way back to him in the, in the next round. And after taking three clear number one receivers for their team, Tyler Lockett, Terry McLaurin and Jameson Crowder is his first three. Uh, Ian took Nikhil Harry at the beginning of round 12. I, I think that's a good time to take a chance on somebody. If I, I'm not huge on Nikhil Harry myself, but if you want to take a shot on the upside of somebody, that's a good spot to do it when you've already secured three guys that you know are getting weekly targets for their team. Yeah, I wouldn't argue against the pick too much. I mean, I, I liked Harry a lot as a prospect coming out. He was super young as a rookie last year, so I don't think it's a major surprise he struggled. Um, you know, personally, I like Henry Ruggs better. I like Mike Williams better. I like Preston Williams better, even. But you know, when again, when we're in the twelfth round and the you know wide receiver fifties, I don't think you can argue too much with Harry there. <laughs> so Brian Harwood finally took a quarterback in round eleven, three rounds after our previous leader in QB patience uh, took his first one. After <laughs> Brian Harwood took Philip Rivers as the twenty eighth quarterback off the board. First of all, I think that's too late for Philip Rivers. Whatever you think of him last year, I mean, he's still a starting quarterback, a clear starter with a new team. At QB 28, obviously Frank Reich still believes in him. So it's a nice first quarterback for you, I think, if you're waiting until round 11 to address that position. I'm still not fully convinced he knows it's it's a super flex, but because he, I think he passed on two more afterwards. But if he does, I mean, he's he's a genius. I mean, wait until the 11th and get in Philip Rivers. I mean, that's 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 great stuff. I mean, then he paired him with Jack Doyle the next round too. That's and right. Maybe maybe he's just like I'm. You know, I'm not gonna need. A quarterback in my flex spot. I'm just going to fill it with these other spots, which I, I wouldn't do, but you know, it, maybe it works out for him. I don't know. It, it's a strategy for sure. Yep. It is a strategy. Let's see who's still on the board at quarterback. So we've got 32 off the board now total. And mm-hmm. Tyrod Taylor went off before um, Dwayne Haskins did. So did Ryan Fitzpatrick and Nick Foles. I'm a little surprised to see Dwayne Haskins be the 32nd quarterback off the board. I'm not surprised that Tyrod Taylor preceded him, especially as. Uh, you know, a third quarterback for somebody. I think there's big upside weekly for Tyrod whenever he is on the field. I am surprised to see Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has started lately going pretty consistently after Tua Tango Vailoa, from what I've seen. Yeah, and I mean, I I don't know. I, I guess I'd rather still have Tua because if I had to bet, I'd bet on him making more starts this season. I still think Fitzpatrick opens this season as a starter. I, I think it's a situation where if I'm drafting one of them, I want to try to get the other one. Sort of the same deal. We had Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert. Yeah, that's been my thinking too as it's coming to my turn and I'm, I'm considering either Miami quarterback or the, the Chargers quarterbacks. I'm still a little bit uncertain on Tua for this season. So uh, that hasn't really been one that I've considered strongly, but I like the idea of pairing the two um, Chargers quarterbacks, uh, Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's still on the board, so that might be a nice addition for Dr. Brian's team if there you he go. decides to add any more quarterbacks. Uh, he also, as we mentioned, waited on tight ends for a long time. And then in round 10, got Jared Cook as his first one as the 16th tight end. So that slips past ADP. Uh, I think that's a nice spot for Jared Cook, even if you expect his touchdowns to come down from last year, which we should expect because he was catching, uh, he was scoring on about 20% of his receptions. Jack Doyle, as I mentioned, was the second one at tight end 19. And then Greg Olson at tight end 23. Greg Olson's not somebody I've been drafting because I'm not sure how that tight end situation is going to work out, but tough to argue with him at tight end 23. Yeah. I, I uh, begrudgingly took Greg Olson at tight end 29 in my draft, like not a guy I'm targeting, but at tight end 29, I thought it was worth it. Um, Brian did just take Mitchell Trubisky as his second quarterback. I'm pretty sure that Brian knows it's super flex. I no, mean, I know he's an experienced drafter. He sees, uh, he sees Dak Prescott. So go sixth overall. I'm pretty sure he knows. So, I mean, I, I think it was just, again, his strategy to 
assume he's going to be filling flex spots with other positions, which again, isn't crazy in a best ball with quarterback scoring a bit depressed in this format with, you know, the 25 yards, 25 passing yards per point. So we'll be interesting to see how that works out for him. Yeah. He might take, who knows? He might take a bunch of, Andy Dalton type quarterbacks and look for an injury and and then he and then he's golden. I was gonna say on that point though, if you you know if he is kind of following the same zero RB logic, but a quarterback here, yep. maybe you can do at this point is take guys like Jalen Hurts, who would be huge if Carson Wentz goes down. Andy Dalton, who would obviously be cute, be huge if Dak Prescott goes down. So I, I, there's room in a 25 person draft where you have to fill 25 roster spots. There's certainly room to add a couple of those guys late and even, you know, two beyond his current two quarterbacks would be enough. Absolutely. I'm going to uh, interested to see hopefully some, some fall to him so he can, he can fill that out. Um, I noticed too, a couple of guys that have been dropping in these drafts, CD lamb at wide receiver 45 and then um, rugs at wide receiver 50. You know, we just found out today, or at least I did that he's going to be starting in the slot there. What do you guys, I, I mean, I'm excited about that. How do you guys feel about that? I spent the entire like pre-draft process bashing Henry Ruggs. Like I don't <laughs> really believe in him long term, but, but he is the highest rookie wide receiver in the draft charts rankings right now. And, it, and it's just based on volume. Like the Raiders took him, what was it? 12th overall. Um, you know, they, they have some re- receivers there, you know, Tyrell Williams, Hunter Renfro, they drafted Brian Edwards as well, but th- there's no like alpha there. So I, I just think Ruggs is going to get the volume. I like what I've heard from the Raiders, like using him in the slot. I think that's good because Ruggs is a speedster, but he's better on the short and intermediate stuff where you get the ball in his hands and let him make plays after the catch. He wasn't that good downfield at Alabama. So I, I just think the Raiders it seems like they're going to use him in the right way. So that makes me like him even more. All right, it's getting a little late here on the East Coast, so we'll wrap up with like a few more players to talk about. My one problem, I mentioned that I, you can't argue too strongly against the tight end 23, but my big problem with taking Greg Olson there is that Jay Sternberger was still on the board, last in the tight end 25. I mean, I don't think that you can really argue that there's less upside to Jay Sternberger than Greg Olson this season. You could argue that Olson's safer just because, like, you know, he's an established vet and he's playing with Russell Wilson. And we didn't, haven't, haven't seen much from Sternberger. But, yeah, as far as ceiling goes, Sternberger crushes Olson there. I would, I would easily take Sternberger ahead of Olson. Yeah, we're not building a crib here, Jared. We're building a best ball team. We don't want safety. <laughs> Irv Smith was the next tight end, the 24th one after Greg Olson. We've had uh, OJ Howard, D- Dawson Knox since then. Um, as you guys mentioned, Mitchell Trubisky was the second quarterback for Dr. Bryan's team. Keyshawn Vaughn, I noticed, went RB 47. He was, I got him as RB 59, I believe, last night. So uh, this is closer to ADP. Probably a more appropriate spot. Uh, maybe it's just that uh, Elliot Christ agrees with us and not totally believing in LaShawn McCoy right now. Yeah, I'm definitely not a not a believer. He could be cut very soon. Yeah, that's that's fine for for Vaughn. But I, you know, and he could be, you know, if there's with injuries, he could be uh, a number the number one back there. Adam, any other picks that have jumped out to you in the last couple of rounds? You know, it's the values on these receivers getting pushed down, like Sammy Watkins at wide receiver sixty one in a best ball. You know, it's just Deshaun Jackson, your guy's guy there, wide receiver 60, Curtis Samuel 59. I mean, it's just such such, such good value, and it just gives such credence to taking running backs early in these, these best ball drafts because, you know, a healthy Deshaun Jackson is going to get you three monster games, you know, and that's and out of your 14th round pick, that's, that, that's what you're looking for. Yeah, I agree. Like, just looking at this draft board, like, beyond round 12, I just think the wide receivers are such better bets to – give you starting leagues like the running backs have upside but they all they all need something to happen in front of them on the depth chart to really get that opportunity where these wide receivers like mike williams sammy Watkins, sean jackson curtis samuel they're, they're all they're all gonna give you starting weeks yeah without, without anything else happening on their teams i will mention before we go that kimra uh finally did stack a giants pass catcher with daniel jones and it was darius slayton down at round 12 and that would have been the end of round 12 wide receiver 51 i mean no guarantee for sure that he's lasting to that point. So I would say that it's not something she felt like she needed to do, but did get a Giants receiver to go with him. All right, that's going to do it for night four of the Draft Sharks Invitational. Thanks so much for joining us. We still have one more draft to go Friday night. We're not going to have the Reverend Adam Krautwurst with us, but Jared and I will be back here to track the action through about the first half. Hope you join us. Thanks again for tuning in for night four. (laughs) 